0: In the scripture, and, and I have again today put most of the scripture on the screen for you. We're going to talk about this morning, let there be light. There's all kind of light or lights in the world. Amen? All kinds. Um, as I stand here today, I, I can um, look up and I certainly see those bright lights. Uh, quite honestly, I can't see much more than those bright lights. When you stand up here looking back, they're shining, just glaring in your face. And so I see those lights. That's one type of lights. But I can, if I focus in the right places, I can see those beautiful can lights above you that give a nice soft mood uh, across the sanctuary. We have those lights in here. And then if we wanted to, we could turn the gymnasium lights on and really light it up. It would be even lighter than it is. And then I, I just bought a couple from home, just just kind of as an illustration. Everybody knows what this is, right? We've got flashlights, and, and I've got this light here. I don't know. I guess it was designed for camping. Honestly, I bought it to put in the boat because if I was ever out at night uh, after dark, Maybe I hadn't planned to be, but I was out there. I'd need something to be able to see how to bait my hook, and maybe how to get in too. I got other lights as well that I can use for that. But there's there's just many different type of uh, types of lights, and that serves perhaps to kind of get us on a track of thinking as we talk about light today. Let's not limit it to lumens and necessarily what we see. Shining in the examples that I've given. But let's broaden our horizons just a little bit and we'll do that biblically and scripturally over the next few moments. It's, we're entering the Christmas season. I felt like this would be a fitting, um, uh, topic today to develop in as much as we begin in Genesis chapter one and it goes all the way through the book of Revelation and you'll find that the theme of darkness and light is found throughout the whole Bible. We'll focus on that for the next few moments. The scripture says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Would you just um, humor me for just a moment and say, first day? Everything we just happened, everything we just read happened on the first day. First day. Light on the first day. It was good, God said, first day. Before we leave those verses, I would like to talk about three different descriptive words and phrases from verse 2, which will help us understand how the world looked and existed, what it was like before God began to move and began to act. Verse 2 says that the earth was without form and void and there was darkness upon the earth. So this week, I took the liberty of going back to the Hebrew dictionary to give meaning to these words and perhaps help us grasp what it is that the Bible is telling us. So I found out that the phrase "without form" it simply means worthless. Now, this is not my; these are not my words. This is not my opinion. This is from the Hebrew dictionary. Without form means worthless, useless, chaos or chaotic, and characterized by disorder. That's the way the world was. Void simply means empty, a vacuity, or something that's no good. And then darkness, of course, means literal darkness, which we easily can understand. But you know, there's such a thing as well as emotional darkness. You ever heard anybody talk about being in a dark place? They were not talking about the room. They were talking about their mood, what was going on inside them. So emotionally, you can be in darkness or morally, you can be in darkness. People can be... Moral, that is good, or they can be immoral, which is bad. Be in a dark place morally. Doing things, believing things that are absolutely contrary to what God has established and said in his word. And then the in the area of enlightenment, or we could even use the word education here. Uh, that is, being in the know about certain things. You know, the Bible, not the Bible, history records one period of time in world history known as the Dark Ages. And it was a period of time when it seemed as if man was not advancing, but was actually declining and going in the wrong direction. And uh, fortunately, there came a time when that was reversed, but everybody's heard of the Dark Ages a period where maybe people had been enlightened and now the people weren't enlightened anymore. I'll tell you right now, we live, we live in a very dangerous time in America right now with so many people in America not being enlightened about God's Word. We read about things that are happening as normal behaviors, things that are happening every day in America that the majority of people just accept willingly. They have no problems with. That's just the way it is. Nothing wrong with it at all, and the Bible says it's absolutely contradictory to God's will and God's ways, but it's accepted. And we're living in a society now that needs to be enlightened, spiritually enlightened about the word and the will and the ways of God. So darkness can take on different shades of meaning in that respect. So. When we look at the world before God got involved in Genesis chapter one, verse one, it's described in verse two as being without form, a void and darkness, which means that the world was worthless, useless, chaotic. There was disorder. It was empty, vacuity, no good. Now, if I were to take a check, I had a checkbook, I had my checkbook somewhere because I was trying to find a pocket to put it in while I could and couldn't find one. Now I can't find my checkbook. It's here somewhere. Oh, there it is. If I were to take a check out of my checkbook and write four letters on it real big across the front. V-O-I-D. And then give you that check. What good is that check to you? (laughs) It's no good at all. I have ruined that baby. You can't do anything with it. You write anything you want to in it. I can go back and sign it. I can do anything I want to. But when I wrote V-O-I-D on it, it's no good. And that's the way that the scripture describes the world being in that type of state. When we pick up with Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. But then, the Bible says, and I think this is so significant, the very first thing that happened to this world, in that condition, the first thing that happened was, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, so the evening and the morning were the what? First day. Now... We're going to skip to verse 14 now. The next slide. And God said, this is the fourth day now. Everybody say fourth day. It's a different day. It's later. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Verse 15, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day. We call it the sun. And the lesser night to rule the night. We call it the moon. And the Bible says, and it's one of my favorite phrases in the whole Bible. He made the stars also. <laughs> Billions
1: of stars.
0: And that's what's said about it in the Bible. He made the stars also. Well, the Bible also says he knows them by name. That's an awesome God. That's a big God. He made the sun and the moon and the stars. In verse 17, he set them. He placed them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was what? Now, wait a minute. If you are thinking, is anybody thinking? We're, we're saying to ourselves, no, wait a minute. In verse 1, the Bible says, Let there be light, and there was light, and the light was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and that was the first day, evening and morning. Are you with me? But four days later, or three days later, on day four, the sun, the moon, and the stars were created. Does anybody have a question? I have all my life, all my adult life. Looked at that and I have wondered. I've scratched my head. I don't understand. Now, if our light comes from the sun, I've read commentaries and looked at it this week. And oh, there's all kinds of things we come up with. I believe that the Bible will answer its own question. As we continue to read, I think there's no problem at all. And ascertaining what this is all about, the Bible says in one John one five. One John one five. This is the message which we have heard from him, and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Read that that beginning at that God. Read that with me out loud, would you? That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. I think I'm going to flip over. This one's not on the screen, so just hold right there if you would. Um, If you'd like to go with me in your Bible to John chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. Which talks about Jesus coming to earth. It talks about him being the true light. So let's, let's read this one. I didn't include it. In the overhead, John chapter 1, verse 1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines. In the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him. That is through the light might believe. Verse 8 says he was not that light. Before I go any farther, if John was not that light, somebody tell me who that light was. Thank you. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Jesus is the light of the world. In Revelation 21 verse 23... As we are looking into the end times in that book of the Bible, and there's a period of time described as the Day of the Lord, and and the uh, destruction of of mankind, and the armies, and all that happens, and then heaven coming down, Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. The Bible says in Revelation twenty one verse twenty three about this heavenly city, Jerusalem. The city had no need of the sun. Or of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Can you see there where we make it just fine without the sun and the moon? Who gives the light? In Isaiah 60, here's a passage of Scripture again prophetically. Uh, Isaiah 60. Verse one says, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Let's just lay that part on the shelf for just a minute and pick up with verse two. Verse two says, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. I believe that's where we live right now. Deep darkness. The darkness is covering. It's not, it's not like I'm not all worked up about climate change. If y'all wondering about that, I just am not. I know God's got this thing mapped out. He's going to do it the way he wants to do it. And we're not big enough to get in his way. Amen. So the scripture says here that there's going to be a time when darkness will cover the earth. It's not talking about night darkness, midnight darkness, darkness. It's talking about another type of darkness. Behold, the darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But it goes on to say, but the Lord will arise over you, God's people. Verse 1 said, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. This last phrase, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you. His glory will be seen upon you. Verse 3, the Gentiles shall come to your light and kings... To the brightness of your rising. The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you, but the Lord will be to you an everlasting light, and your God your glory. Your sun shall no longer go down. You ever seen the sun go down in the evenings? Yeah. Your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself. You can forget all of that. For the Lord will be your everlasting light. You all see some changes coming? In the way things happen on earth? At some point in the future? Jesus said about this idea of light. And again, it's not always about daylight and dark. Light has other implications as well. We're getting into the moral or spiritual realm here, where Jesus said in John 3, 19, remember John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay. The context of that is that passage. And we're going to read John three nineteen. please. Next slide. And this is the condemnation. Now, these are the words of Jesus. This is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. And does not come to the light. Lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth. Comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. I think it's an amazing thing that Jesus himself stated that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light and that everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, then why should we be surprised when that is the case? Why should you be surprised that your co-workers, sometimes your family, sometimes schoolmates, sometimes people that live in your neighborhood have no interest in spiritual things or hearing the things that you're concerned about, The Bible tells us we're living in a time of gross darkness. And it is true. What Jesus has said here is absolutely true. Men love darkness rather than light. That is until the veil is removed from their eyes and only the Holy Spirit of God can do that and plant in them some desire, some revelation to turn to Him and come to Christ. And then they too can begin to understand how wonderful the light really is. First Peter 2 verse 9. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Do you know who he's talking about there? Who? Talking about us, believers, Christians. You are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That has happened to us. How many of you were once in darkness? Sure, all of us were. Absolutely. And the Lord was merciful to us. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. We could just stop right here and sing a little bit of that old song about the the light. What is it? The, oh goodness. No, not this little light of mine. I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. I saw the light. If you are a Christian today, you saw the light. You understood you needed to be saved. You understood you needed a savior. You were a sinner. You were bound for a place you didn't want to go because God had prepared for you a much better place. You surrendered your life to the Lord. He forgave you of your sins. You were called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Even you who were once not a people but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. This would be a good time just to stop and sing Amazing Grace. Now I want us to turn to the last book in the Bible. Excuse me. Old Testament. Last book in the Old Testament. Ronnie Rose says we're getting ready to read about ties. Nope, not this time. Malachi. Not chapter 3. Chapter 4. Malachi 4 verse 1. As the Lord is speaking... Talking about the same end time events we've already alluded to. The day of the Lord and some of the things he's going to do. Malachi 4 verse 1. Talking about those days says. For behold the day is coming. This doesn't sound like something I want to be involved in. Burning like an oven. And all the proud. Yes all who do wickedly will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up. Says the Lord of hosts. That will leave them neither root nor branch. That's bad news right there. Is it not? For the people who know not God. Who have mocked him. Rejected him. Don't want anything to do with him. Laugh and scorn at Christians. And mock people who love the Lord. This is what will happen one day. But verse 2 says. But to you who fear my name. To you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. In other words, you're going to be prosperous. You're going to be happy. All your needs are going to be met. Everything's going to be great. But I want you to look at how the word son is spelled there. Not the S-O-N of righteousness. As in the offspring. No, like the sun. S-U-N. The one who shines. To you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. It goes right along with, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And the Lord will arise over you. And now the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. It's going to be a great time. At least verse 2 is. Not so much verse 1. And there again, it's important how we live. It's important who we're surrendered to. It's important if we have honored God, given our lives to the Lord. Responded to the light. After the book of Malachi, there are 400 years of silence, we're told, between Malachi, the last prophet, and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Students of the Bible often refer that to, to that period, the 400 years of silence. No prophets, no word from the Lord, nothing significant seems to be happening at all until The end of that 400 years. Verse 5 in Malachi. Jumps forward to the end of that 400 years. In a prophetic way. And says behold. I will. Future now. I will send you Elijah the prophet. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day. Of the Lord. I'm going to send you. A prophet. So when we turn now to Luke chapter 1, verse 16, listen to what we read. In the New Testament, Jesus has been born. Luke is just beginning his gospel, chapter 1. And he says, well, first of all, let me tell you what's happening here. There was an angel named Gabriel who went to see a man named Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest in the temple of the Lord. He was there doing his work. What he was assigned to do. What he was called by God to do. And he and his wife were elderly. They were quite old. They had no children. They'd always wanted children but didn't have any. And then all of a sudden this angel appears as he's in there lighting the candles and taking care of things. He's there by himself with no one around. And Gabriel appears to him. Says you're going to have a son. He he begins to talk to him about John the Baptist. About his birth. And so beginning at chapter 1, verse 16, we're picking up on this conversation where Gabriel is talking to Zechariah, this priest. And you're going to have a son, he says. In verse 16, where we pick up, And he, your son, will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him, with a capital H, referring to Jesus, your son will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Here we've got this New Testament writer going back to Malachi 4, verse 5. Your son will go before the Christ in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just And to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So you go right back up to that last verse in verse 5. I will send you, Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And Jesus has been born. And John the Baptist is the one who's preparing the way for that and preaching him up. The Debbie Boone used to sing a song. If you're older than 50, you'll probably remember this song. You light up my life. You light up my life. That was John the Baptist's message about Jesus. If you believe in him, he'll change your life. If it's it's that you need to come out of spiritual darkness into the marvelous light of a relationship with Jesus Christ, with forgiveness and a home in heaven, then that's yours. And I'll take it even further. He also says... If you're troubled in your spirit, if your burdens are heavy, just come. I'll lift you up. I'll pull you out of your emotional darkness. I'll pull you out of your spiritual darkness. I'll just pull you out of darkness. I'll take care of you. I love you. I care about you, Jesus says. Come, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you what? I'll give you rest. Rest. He comes with healing in his wings, the scripture said. He wants to minister to our needs. He wants to pull us out of all the darkness in our life and bring us to a place close to himself. Where the glory of God just radiates and blesses us. And finally, as our musicians are coming in, we're about to sing. In John chapter 8, verse 12, the Bible says that Jesus spoke to them again and said... And you've heard these words of Jesus. Jesus spoke to them and said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And Jesus is the light of the world. So if you were to ask me, where did the light come from on day one? It came directly from God. The sun, the moon, and the stars, they came later. But as God began his creative work and just said, let there be light. He was the source of that light. And then he followed through with with creation that just blows our minds and his ability. I guess the purpose... For which I have brought these thoughts together to share with you today, is because I would like to, um, I would like to begin this Christmas season, really focusing our attention on Jesus Christ, the Light of the World. It would be wonderful if we did not get all caught up in all the normal things we do. To the point that we forget what's really important about Christmas. And our church is offering several things over the next month. As we come together. Where we celebrate. Where we remember. Communion at Christmas is a beautiful thing. We'll be doing that on that Wednesday night. There'll be some Christmas music shared from people that you've never seen on our platform before that night. It's going to be a great time. But we want to um, we want to put Christ first and we want to celebrate Christmas. Amen? Right. Oh, is this gonna be a change in change in pace right here? But I want you to stand with me and I want us to sing this song together. Yeah. Not the one.
1: right now. It's time, but it's fine. Jesus is the light of the world. One more time. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light. I'm telling you right now, it's tight but it's right, Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. We bless your name, Lord Jesus.
0: Blessed be your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Still yeah. Told of a grandfather who took his little grandson fishing. Grandpa was a dedicated Christian, and so he was talking with the little boy about Jesus and forgiveness and so forth. And the little boy said, Well, how do you know if Jesus is calling? Because Grandpa said, when you feel Jesus calling at your heart, you need to come. Come before him and repent of your sins and he'll save you. The little boy in his innocence says, I I don't understand. Grandpa, they're by the lake fishing and he said, I don't understand what you mean when I feel them calling. Grandpa said, you know how when you get a bite, you feel a tug on the other end and you reel the fish in? Yeah, Grandpa. He said, well, when you feel a tug at your heart. And you just feel like that you need to do something in response to that. That's Jesus calling you to come and receive him. And I would add, to be taken out of darkness. And the light of Jesus Christ to shine in your life and in your heart. And to change your direction from a place called hell to a place called heaven. And to change your life altogether. where you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Yes, that happens even to children. When they believe. It happens to seniors if they believe. It happens to prisoners. If they'll believe. It happens to sinners. If they believe. If you're here today. And at any point in this service, the Spirit of the Lord has tugged at your heart. And you say, you know what? I I know I want to be a Christian. I want to follow the Lord. I want to be obedient to His Word. I want the Lord to save me. To forgive my sins. If you feel a little tug... As we sing just one chorus, one chorus, only one, of just as I am. I'm going to invite you to come. Invite Jesus into your heart. Have the best Christmas you've ever had. (laughs) Because you know then the light of the world. Please come as we sing. Just as
1: Amen. I...
2: You may give it in by raising your hand, speaking out loud. We're going to start with this further section. Has anybody got a request over here? Seniors, yes, let's remember them.
1: In this middle section here, I'm not sure.
2: Was there another one somewhere we missed?
1: Right here, Ronnie. Ronnie. It's it's, it's bright up here. She she was hiding from us.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, and my uh, nephew's wife's father uh, dropped dead. Friday afternoon, he was 57 years old, which was unexpected, so let's remember this family. Let's also remember those that are of a sorry heart today. You know, sometimes Satan has a way of taking something wonderful like the Christmas holidays and makes it blue for certain people. And so we want everybody to experience a wonderful Christmas because Indeed Christ Is the Light of the World. And although we're celebrating his birth The end results was his death, and the end results of that was our salvation. So it's all ties together, so there should be no sorrow at all in any of this. Let's all pray together at this time that God's will be done. Heavenly Father, as we come before thee once again, dear Lord, you've seen hands, you've heard requests, you've seen all types of people that are concerned about themselves or others or loved ones or family or friends. There's death, there's sickness, there's loneliness, there's people that are concerned about others and these are questions given in for. Dear Lord, you're such a large and mighty God and you're all powerful and you know all things, but yet with all this power, with all this knowledge, and with all this ability, you still take care of each and every single one of us on an individual basis. You don't look at us as a whole, but you look at Ronnie Rose as Ronnie Rose and nobody else. And for this, I'm so thankful for it. So ask today, Lord, you look down upon these requests that are given in. Comfort these people, dear Lord, because they're giving their requests in, in sincerity. And they're giving their requests in, and it's heartfelt, dear Lord. So ask that you move upon these requests in a special way. We ask also, God, that you'll bless those that gave you the request, Lord. Touch their heart. Ease it, dear Lord. Reassure them, Lord, that all will be well. And for this, we'll give you the honor and the glory and the praise. In your precious name, amen. One more, one more mention. Uh, the church has a small gift over here under the tree for uh, the pastor and his wife. Anytime between now and Christmas, we feel like giving our pastor and family a card, uh, a present, just a hug of a appreciation because it is Christmas They would appreciate it and it would be in order. God bless you.